Good morning. Today is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Our Torah portion this week, the beginning of the second book of the Torah, begins, Vayikra el Moshe, God called to Moshe, Vayedaber Hashem Elov, and God spoke to him, Me'ohel Moed, from the tent of meeting, from the Mishkan, that had just been completed, Lamor saying. Now, we know that this verse is about to introduce mitzvos that God commands the Jewish people. So God wants Moshe to teach these mitzvos to the Jewish people. But there is an extra word in this verse that doesn't seem to have a meaning to it. And it's a word that we encounter all over in the Torah. And it seems to be just this biblical style, but it's just an extra word that doesn't have, apparently, a meaning to it. One more time. God called to Moshe. And God spoke to Moshe from the Ohel Moed, the mitzvos that he is going to command to teach to the Jewish people. Lamor, saying, what does that word Lamor saying add? Of course, he was saying. It says he called to Moshe, so of course he was saying. And of course, the it was obvious that Moshe, that God wanted Moshe to take what he's going to say to him and to tell it to the Jewish people because it's the commandments. It's it's his job to teach the rest of the commandments to the Jewish people. What is this word Lamor doing there, saying? So the Talmud asks this question. And the Talmud derives from here a very important principle. It is relevant to every single one of us every single day. Says the Talmud. It's in the tractate of Yuma. How do you know that if I tell you something, it could be about anything. It could be about somebody else. It could be about me. And it doesn't have to be something private or embarrassing or I tell you something. You, the listener, you do not have the right to repeat what I said to you. How do we know that? Shenema, because the Torah says, Lamor. Lamor means God says to Moshe, Lamor, I'm giving you permission to tell this to the Jewish people. But without that explicit permission, Whatever I tell you has to stay with you. This is the source of the Jewish concept of confidentiality. Anything that a person says to me is automatically considered confidential. You don't have to say, don't tell it to anyone else, or this will be confidential. The default in Jewish law of any comment a person makes to me, good, bad, neutral, about a person, about a thing, anything. Any comment is deemed to be confidential until you explicitly say to me, lay more, 
go tell it to them. And it's especially striking here because if God had not given permission for Moshe to share these words, the question could have been asked, well, why did God teach these words to Moshe? The whole point of telling them to Moshe, they are mitzvos that apply to the entire Jewish people. It would have no point to tell Moshe if it was not also by implication to convey to the Jewish people still until it is express, expressly explicated and said openly, you should tell this to others. The automatic default of confidentiality applies. This is one of the bases of one of the most important mitzvot in the Torah that we learn later in the book of Ayikra. Lo selech rochil ba'mecha. Do not be a tale-bearer amongst your people. Do not speak lashon hara. And remember, we've discussed this many times. Lashon hara means saying something about another person that is true. It's true. There's a separate category called motzi shemra. If I say something about someone else and it's false, that's just slander. That's another crime, another terrible sin. But Lashon Hara means I'm not allowed to say something about another person unless they explicitly give me permission to share it when it is true. So the question is, but, 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 I'm saying, but what I'm saying is true. How can you, how can you criticize me for saying such a thing if, in fact, it is true? So the Sefer Achinuch, written by Rabbi Aaron of Barcelona, explains the purpose of this mitzvah of Lashon Hara. At the root of this mitzvah lies the reason that God desires good for the human beings he created. And therefore he commanded us about this, not to speak Lashon Hara, not to share any confidentiality unless we are expressly given permission to do so, not to say things about other people even when they are true, so that there should be peace among us. For evil gossip is a cause of contention and quarrel. Peace is more important than truth. There are exceptions. If you're a witness in a court case, you're required to tell the truth. If you're required to take some type of oath, you're required to tell the truth. But in ordinary daily life, peace comes before truth. And so therefore, even if something is true, you have to hold it back. You have to be quiet. If it would cause dissent, if it would cause disharmony, if it would cause someone to be upset, don't say it. Because for any comment that you hear, the default is that you're not allowed to tell anyone unless you are expressly instructed to do so. That's the lesson that comes from our Pasuk. With one big exception. Going back to the Pasuk I read before, Lo Ba do not be a tail bearer among your people, don't speak Lashon Hara, negative things about other people even when it's true. But the Pasuk continues. Lo Samod al Dam do not stand idly by 
when the blood of your brother is being spilled. If there is an aggressor, a pursuer, and someone else is in danger of being attacked, and I have the ability to intercede to prevent that attack from happening, I am obligated to try to intervene and to stop the aggressor and to protect the intended victim. And that applies not only in a dramatic situation of life and death, it applies in all situations. If I know of a situation where one person might cause harm to another person, let's say two people are about to get engaged, and I know that there's something about one person that will make it that they will not be able to be the kind of spouse that this other person is expecting because they are hiding certain information that is relevant to the situation. In that kind of a case, keeping quiet could cause harm to someone else. In that case, the one keeping the secret is actually a rodaf trying to cause harm, even if not intending to, but about to cause harm to someone else. In that case, I have to speak up. I have to take action to prevent the harm from happening. However, this exception, don't stand idly by when the blood of your brother is being spilled, has a very important limitation. And this limitation is extremely important to us on a daily basis. Just to take, go back to the dramatic case. One person is running after another, a pursuer with, God forbid, a gun, and they're going after them, and there's an intended victim, and the victim is in danger. The Talmud says, yes, I, the bystander, have the obligation, if I can, to intervene to stop the attack from happening. Of course, if I can, if I have the tools, the ability, of course. But I am only allowed to do that using the least amount of force necessary. For example, if I could one person, Ruvain, is running after another person, Sarah, to shoot her, God forbid. And I have a gun. And I can shoot Ruvain to stop him from effecting this attack. If I can shoot him in the foot and disable him, and that would prevent the damage, I'm required to use the least amount of force necessary. I'm not allowed to shoot him in the heart, which will kill him. I have to use the least intrusive manner possible. Now, obviously, in the example that I gave you, very often it is practically impossible. The idea that, for example, under a dramatic, uh, traumatic, in the middle of a traumatic scene, that a person should be able to aim and to shoot the foot and not to, to stop the person, but not to kill them, that requires tremendous expertise. In general, even police forces do not accept that if someone has to be stopped, that try to uh, aim for a limb, 
it's too hard because with the chaos and the uh, the everything that's going on, shoot for center mass. That's the advice the police gives. And certainly for an amateur who is not carefully trained, maybe you have a person who is a sniper who has years of training in this and they would be able to do it. But practically speaking, you have to use your best judgment of what will stop the the danger. And you have to have the judgment that you were able to have a lower level of involvement in order to choose that. But that, theoretically, that's the rule. But the same system does apply to less serious situations. For example, revealing a confidentiality. We refer to this as Lashon Hara Litoeles. It's Lashon Hara. I'm going to say something negative about another person, but I'm doing it because there is a Toeles. There is a constructive purpose. There's a reason that you need to hear this in order to prevent you from being harmed by this person. When it comes to speaking up in this manner, we have the same guideline. We have to use the least intrusive means that are possible to stop the harm from happening. And this brings us to the famous, famous guidelines of the Chafetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan of Radin, who formulated for us you know, we all know that the Chavitz Chaim is the one who taught us not to speak ill, not to say Lashon Hara, to guard our tongues. But just as strongly the Chavitz Chaim taught us when we are required to speak up, when there is a constructive purpose that obligates us to share certain information. But when doing so, we must follow these guidelines. And these guidelines... These are guidelines we should memorize or have them written because we need to refer to them every single day to be able to figure out, should we say or should we not say? And not just should we say or should we not say, am I obligated to say or am I obligated not to say? There's very little middle ground there. Number one, Chavetz Chaim says, if I have some negative information to share because if I don't do so, harm will come to somebody, don't exaggerate. Don't dramatize the situation more than the facts. Just give the facts. If the danger is slight, report the danger is slight. If a person has a certain condition, report the facts. Don't say, uh, he's, he's mental, he's, he's about to have a breakdown, he's uh, unstable. Don't use any kind of those judgment words. Share the specific information without exaggerating. And then let the person decide whether this is relevant. It could very well be that what I think is an issue and might cause you harm, you might say, no, I know about that. It's not a problem for me. It's not up to me to decide what's a problem for you. It's for me to, prevent, to, to provide the information so that you can make that decision. That's number one. Number two, you have to weigh your words very, very carefully. Is what you're about to say really a flaw? Could be from my point of view, it's a flaw. Could be from someone else's point of view, it's not such a flaw. You might think that a certain person is quiet. 
you might think that that means that they that such a person entering into a marriage would not have such a happy marriage because you think people should be bubbly and talking and and uh, ebullient all the time. But that might not be a flaw. It could be that the other person is looking for a quiet person. Could be that that's just what they want. Again, be very, very careful to choose your words and not to frame it as a flaw, but just to give a fact. Have you noticed that? And let the person decide. Well, yes, and I actually like that. It's not a problem for me. Surprisingly, maybe surprisingly, the Chavetz Chaim says, we are required to pass on not only what we know directly, but even what we know by hearsay. If I heard a rumor that such a person is so-and-so, I'm required to report it. But with the important proviso, I have to report it as a rumor. I don't know this for certain. I don't know this directly. I'm repeating it as a rumor that I heard. The rumor that I heard is so-and-so. You should check out whether you it is true and whether it's going to bother you and whether it's relevant to your decision. The only permission, permission to speak is when in my best judgment there is a reasonable chance that my words will sway the other person. If I am convinced that my words will not sway the other person, I should be quiet. If I have already said to the person, would you like my input? And the person said no. Or if you ask the person, have you already decided? And the person says, yes, I've already decided. Or for whatever other reason, you understand, you intuit, you know that your words are not going to change the outcome. Then you have no right to speak. Be quiet. Be quiet. Unless you can change the outcome, you should be quiet. The next one is very, very important. And it goes back to this idea of using the least amount of interference based on Lasamon Adam Reacha. You should always try to find an alternative to saying these words directly to this person. Maybe you can arrange a situation where the person will reveal it themselves. Maybe you can arrange a situation where the person that you're worried about will uh, have an occasion to see what the situation is with their own eyes and then be able to evaluate it themselves. If you can do so without saying it directly, it's always preferable. Sometimes, and again, this requires a lot of judgment and a lot of thought beforehand. If I know that someone is hiding something from someone else, sometimes I might say to that person, listen, I really think that you need to tell this person this fact. Let them decide on their own whether it's a, uh, an issue for your relationship, your job, whatever it is. And sometimes I might even go so far as to say, listen, if you're not willing to tell, I'm going to have to go tell. I have a response. I feel a responsibility that this person should know that otherwise that they could come to harm. So I'm urging you, you should be the one to do it. And very often the person will say, okay, I'll tell them. And that's always preferable. And lastly, a person has to gauge 
the efforts, the effect that my words will have on that person. In the case of a shidduch, of a potential match, I might want to raise an issue that I see in one that I think the other needs to know about that I think that it's a kind of a minor thing, but I think it would be a good idea for this couple to explore with a therapist this issue and and before they get married to have a process of how they're going to navigate it. But if I just say, listen, I think that uh, I think that that guy is controlling. I think that that guy is not so nice. I think if that's all I say, but I meant I want you to go to therapy, the person listening might take and say, oh, okay, you're, thank you for telling me. I don't want anything to do with someone who has such a problem. If the, if the result is more serious than I thought my words should have led to, I need to be very, very careful about that. And I need to be very careful to minimize and, and choose my words carefully so it doesn't lead to an outcome that is worse than I think is warranted by what the actual issue is going on. Those are the guidelines of the Chavetz Chaim, and it's the kind of thing you should have in front of you, you should memorize it, and um, because we make use of it all the time. Every day, we need to decide whether to say something, whether not to say something. Now, the truth is there may be gray areas. There may be uh, questions in how to apply this in a given situation. And in those cases, my suggestion is when in doubt, it's best to check with an objective expert in Jewish law who doesn't have any connection to the case but who can guide based on these principles, based on Jewish law, what's the right way to proceed. Lashon Hara, speaking negatively about others, violating confidentiality, is a terrible sin that comes from the first verse of our Parsha. It causes so much strife, so much destruction. But remaining silent when we should speak up is equally damaging. And it is imperative for us to analyze each situation and to apply the appropriate guidelines properly. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.